Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders. How is everybody doing out there in the beautiful, wonderful, probably cold land of crowdfunding? You know that magical place that everyone goes to find the free money for their projects and ideas. You know, that place that I help uh, navigate you through the treacherous world of crowdfunding. You know, I'm your your guide, your liaison, your, uh, you know, I'm your North Star when it comes to crowdfunding. That's right. Well, if this is your first time here, let me welcome you. I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, CEO of Woodshed Agency, host of this podcast, Successfully Funded. And what does all that mean? Well, Let's break it down. One, if you're listening to this podcast, we talk to project creators while they're in the middle of a campaign or their campaign has just ended. And that way we give you guys, you little listeners, the most up-to-date information on what you've got to do to become successfully funded for yourself. So that is what the podcast is all about. If you are thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign, well, that's what I'm an expert on. So you can go over to woodshed.agency, that's our website, and I am the CEO of that company. Uh, I have done a lot of campaigns, whether it's reward-based equity, even just product launches. It doesn't really matter. We've done a lot of campaigns. Um, so go over there. You can go to our blog. You can subscribe to our podcast, reach out, pick a consultation, join our community. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. So, well, what is today episode? what's today's episode all about, right? It's episode 230, right? Episode 230 of Successfully Funded. That's a lot of episodes, by the way. The reason I know that is that I'm building a new website specifically for this, and I need to move all the episodes over. That's a big task. That's a big task. I thought I could just hit export and then import. I don't, I don't think I can. So, But on today's episode, we're going to be talking to Connor Lewis. And if you don't know who he is, you're going to find out. Go over to Kickstarter right now and search the Fort, F-O-R-T, Fort, Magnetic Fort right? That's the, that's the campaign. And you're going to see that they've raised basically $3 million. Not basically. I don't even know why I said basically. They've raised $3 million uh, for their product. That's like 10,000 backers. It is a campaign that is on fire. Fire, fire, fire. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, and I, Connor was awesome to chat with. And we get way, way into the weeds on uh, how he did it, how he got to this point, you know, things that he w- worked on, things to focus on, all that stuff. So like I said, that is coming up here in just a little bit. But before we get to that point, what's going on over at One Ones Away? Well, if you are a regular listener, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done an episode. Um, we've kind of been going back and forth around, you know, do we try to put out something every two, uh, you know, every Tuesday, and, uh, excuse me, every Monday and Thursday, or do we put out content when when it comes in? You know, we were we we're just we're trying to play with some stuff just to try to find a nice balance. And I've kind of I have definitely flipped back towards you know what when I have an episode I have an episode, and that's what today is. So like we've got great content today, great interview, uh, and we're going to promote the you know what out of this one, and we're going to send that out into the world. But um, so I don't know if we're going to continue to to stay in that schedule of, of Mondays and Thursdays if I don't have guests. And I'll tell you. Some interesting stuff is going on on Kickstarter behind the scenes. We're just, there's just not a lot right now. There's just not a lot of campaigns. I don't know, you know, it's something we're, we're monitoring and we're watching, you know? There's always campaigns, but there's just not a ton of them uh, that 
um, you know, are out there that are successfully funded, which says a lot. They're not list. They're obviously not um, smashing the subscribe button to this this uh, this podcast and listening. So we've got that going on. What else? What else? What else? What else? Well, it's been an interesting week. On Tuesday, it was the uh, one year anniversary of my dad passing. So we had all that. Uh, and I say all that. There really wasn't much. Uh, you know, it's just kind of there. Not much to do. We had a big, huge snowstorm like everybody else in the world. By the way, hopefully you're staying warm if you're listening to this. So no, hopefully your devices are charged. Man, it seems like the whole, uh, if you're in Texas, whew, what are you guys doing down there? Well, I, I know what you guys are doing down there, but um, yeah. So hope you guys are staying warm, staying safe because this, this is a big storm, man. It's like day after tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so Tuesday we got a big storm. Um, so there wasn't much to do. I mean, we didn't go down. I didn't, you know, we didn't, we just didn't do much. Um, I think everybody was kind of in their own space for it. I know that's, that's kind of what I've been just doing. Just I'm in my own space, you know? Um, but what else? What else? What else? So I am going to pat myself on the back. I'm kicking butt right now in the exercise department. That's right. Five days a week for a whole month. Um, this tomorrow will be a full month. Like I said, I got yoga tomorrow. So Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays are yoga. Tuesdays and Thursdays are running. Today's Thursday. I just got back from a nice hour run with my buddy, Michael out getting it going, stretching the legs, working it, you know? So we've got that going on. It's, it is shocking how much better you feel. It just really is, man. It's, um, all the, uh, all of the things that people tell you, right? The endorphins, the, uh, the, whatever happens in your brain, right? When, when people say, hey, you know, working out makes you feel better. It truly does, man. It's I, like, I just have a different demeanor right now, it feels like. And um, yeah, I'm all right with it. I'm all right with that. I'm also eating less. That's another thing too, is like, you just don't don't feel like eating as much. So I got, I got that going on. I'm pretty proud about that, right? A full month, basically almost every day, just in weekends I take off because I'm, I'm mixing it up, making it sound good. So that's big news. Next big news, if you get for you who are concerned about what's going on in my life, um, and which is why you're listening to the intro of this podcast. <laughs> By the way, if this all bores you, you can you can uh, fast forward, hit that 30 second or 15 second bark on your podcast app, and uh, you can you can skip to the interview. I understand if you guys don't care about me, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> so what else is going on? Well, I uh, got my guitar all fixed up. Tom Pellerito, shout out to Tom. Hello, Rito, for making the acoustic sound good. And it sounds great. He got it all spruced up, ready to go. It's my old, it's a mid-90s Taylor, so it's about 30-year-old Taylor, acoustic. And it is, and this isn't me just saying this because it's mine, one of the best acoustic guitars I've ever heard sound. I mean, it's just, it's as warm as you can get. It's full. It just sounds massive when you play it. And I love playing it, man. And I've gotten this thing back. And basically about every night I spend an hour playing. I really do. After dinner, I sit down and I just, I work through songs, I work through scales, and I've been so inspired that guess what's back on the table? I basically have, and I say basically because I'm missing about two, par- two parts yet, a live band I'm putting together for the Sugar People. I got people going through the songs, we're figuring it all out, and hopefully when the world opens up again, and I, that's a big hope, we're going to knock on wood that that happens. Uh, I'm going to play a show. We're going to play a Sugar People show. We're going to do it in a nice venue. We're going to do it on like a Friday night. We're going to have it kind of, we're going to have it kid friendly just because I have kids and I want, and you know, the music will be fine for it. But I have been just deep diving in and out of the tracks, figuring them all out, 
learning old parts. I mean, it's been a decade. I haven't touched a guitar in basically a decade. Well, I've touched them, obviously, but I mean, sat down and played it, figured out parts, played art, played my own songs. And yeah, man, it, it's been, uh, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty good. I've been enjoying it immensely, immensely. And I'm excited. I'm going to, you know, again, hopefully world opens up and we're able to, to do, you know, to do what we're talking about right now. And I know the musicians that I've reached out to and I've put together, they're great musicians. They, I, I know they'll be able to hang and present this material top notch, right? That's my goal. Top notch. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. So I'll keep you guys abreast of what's going on. Um, uh, with, with that as we're, you know, figuring it all out, man, figuring it all out, learning the songs, figuring out what we're going to do on rehearsals, all that sort of stuff. So that's right, man. We're getting the band back together. It's like the blues brothers. Maybe I got to, do I have to get a car like that? I think I do. I'm, I'll get a car like that. You know, like they had in the blues brothers and we'll drive around with a blow horn on top telling everybody. Yeah. So that's what's going on around here. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, super excited about all of it. Um, so let's get down to the business side of this. One, if you are thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign, don't do it alone. There's no reason to do it alone. Reach out, find people like myself or my team members, or and if it's not me, go reach out to some of my other people out there. Launch boom, Aventus, go reach out, you know, you know, work, work with these people Get your, your campaigns funded. So, but go over to woodshed.agency. If you're thinking about running a campaign, click the blog. There's a new blog every Tuesday that comes out. Lots of valuable information there. So go check that stuff out. If that's not enough, make sure you are smashing the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. I don't care where. If you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, smash that subscribe button so that way you get a notification when new episodes come up. If that's not enough, pick the consultation time right? Go on the website, consultation, click there. There's my calendar. Pick a time to talk. It's 20 minutes. It's free. I'm not going to sell you anything. Just let me hear what you're working on. I'll, you know, give you some suggestions or point you in the right direction or think about this or whatever. I can tell you for a fact, it will be valuable. You will, you will enjoy our conversation. And last but not least, if that's not enough, pick the community button and join us over on discord. We've got a whole community over there of people who are running crowdfunding campaigns, small business owners, and we're talking about a ton of stuff. So lots of stuff for you guys to do um, if you're thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign. But with all that said, let's talk to somebody who's raised over $3 million with still six, I think it's about six days to go. So still got a week. This is a big campaign, everybody. Uh, and it was an honor to have Connor on. I mean, it was big, big of him to like take some time out of his day to jump on. I mean, do you know how many emails and notifications you're getting on a $3 million campaign? It's obnoxious. So uh, it was awesome for Connor to take some time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. And the flip me, uh, um, make sure you guys stay tuned to the end because we are going to be playing a special Sugar People cover song that I don't think anybody's heard. And it was done all in one take. We had an idea back in the day called Under the Covers. And we we would just get a group of musicians together and nobody would know the song. And I would just be like, hey, we're going to play this song. And the song t- today that we did was TNT. And it's live. It's really raw. But check out this arrangement that we did later after the interview. You guys want to stay tuned for that because it uh, it's, it's a sweet track. All right. Here's my uh, interview with Connor Lewis from the campaign. I'm a power load. 
kind of red lights on, so it's go time. So we have to make the studio magic and the podcast magic. You, you ready? You good to go? Yep. Awesome. Well, let's do a quick sound check for all my <laughs> listeners who have uh, realized that this isn't a sound check. But uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, uh, you know, simple, really simple. A few eggs and some uh, wheat toast. Nice. What, what kind of eggs? How'd you do them? Would you do? Uh, you know, I. I've gotten really into learning how to use an all clad stainless steel. I have like a nice little all clad stainless steel getting the temperature right is, is way harder than it should be, but I'm, I'm getting yeah. into it. And I've had, I've been using this creamer in my coffee, um, from the surfer Laird Hamilton, um, that okay. I'm really enjoying. So, uh, it's a powdered creamer. Uh, it's great. It's like coconutty full of fat and stuff. You know, it's kind of in that trend, but yeah. I mean, it honestly just tastes good. That's cool. Is it, uh, I think I, is he friends with like Tim Ferriss? I feel like he's in the Tim Ferriss world a lot. Th- that. that may be. I think Tim Ferriss does the the mushroom coffee. This is kind of like a um, he calls it superfood. It's got all sorts of fun stuff in it. It's okay. great. Yeah, uh, I listen to a lot of Pod Save America, and they they push the uh, mushroom coffee quite a bit on the podcast and the commercials or whatever. That's a weird one to me. I, I can't. You know, it's just, nothing not, it's I, just not lining up. Yeah, no matter what I do, I need a nap every day. So um, no ma- no amount of coffee will fix that. I feel like. All right. All right, all right. Well, I guess, you know what, instead of us discussing uh, mushroom coffees and naps and whatnot, why don't we move over to actually why we're actually talking? Um, why don't you do me a favor, kind of introduce yourself and tell my listeners what you're running money, uh, uh, raising money for over on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, so uh, my name is Connor Lewis online. You can find me Connor B. Lewis, um, Connor with one N, C-O-N-O-R. And um, I am running a campaign called Fort, the Magnetic Pillow Fort. It is live on Kickstarter now until February 25th, 2021. And we are currently at 2.8, just under 2.9 million. Um, So quite a campaign. Um, It is basically a set of 12, like, foam blocks covered in this like durable fabric with magnetic connectors in all the corners. And, uh, it's built specifically for kids. We basically took the idea of like, you know, those foam blocks that kids get at daycare Mm -hmm. centers and we just made them bigger and made it more like furniture and, uh, you know, really, uh, really kind of just kind of created our own thing here to, to help kids build forts and and all sorts of cool modular stuff. Well, one of the things I love about it, because again, I've got some young children here is, uh, I love like the content of, the couch and living room being destroyed, which if I uh, took this camera literally around this wall, I know there's pillows all over the place. The couch cushions are everywhere and it's just chaos. And I'm always picking that up. So I love the fact that like you're saying, Hey, we're going to fix this solution. I love like the video and like, you hear this, all that sort of stuff. So I'm assuming that is that a real life scenario for you? Is that where the idea comes from? Like, Hey, I don't want to pick up couch cushions anymore. Oh, I mean, totally. It's, it's, um, I have a, I have a two and a half year old and uh, a six month old. So the six month old is, is not moving anywhere, which is honestly nice at this point. Um, but the two and a half year old, absolutely. I mean, I don't even think I realized how universal the couch ripping off cushions thing was. (laughs) I mean, it's just so used to, especially, I mean, throw pillows are always the first to go and then the blankets. And, and, and so, yeah, when we wrote that video, it was like, I I have to make this kind of like a a cheeky opening about (laughs) how I'm, I'm drinking a cup of coffee because uh, my kids are playing with their fort instead of my couch cushion. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is awesome. So, I mean, I guess, so what starts the process in this? I mean, even though you might have the idea, but like, you know, what do you start to do? Is it something that you have a background in? Or I, I guess, what's the starting point for it? 
Yeah. So uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I've gotten to, as I've kind of told my story more and more, I've kind of gotten to reflect back and, and, and kind of see how it all connected. So basically mm-hmm. I lost my job in April, 2020. I was doing corporate marketing stuff and, and working for this, um, this uh, basically high net worth guy who owned a bunch of properties and real estate and, and companies. And so I would uh, help him work with all the companies that he owned and mm-hmm. do video projects and marketing and fun stuff like that. And um, you know, uh, coronavirus hit. Um, I was one of the younger guys on the team. It was really easy to cut that. You know, it was, it was, it was a totally fine parting. You know, I was looking for other stuff anyways, but like, you know, found myself out of a job, a pregnant wife and a two year old, um, not exactly ideal. And, uh, yeah. basically the story of a lot of parents out there. Um, yeah. and so, you know, sitting at home, basically kind of being a stay at home dad my, while my wife worked, um, watching a two year old, you learn a lot and uh, your brain starts running. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't, I wasn't exactly sure I could make the jump. And yeah. so I saw the fort building process, right? Something you do at home. And basically I thought there has to be a better way to do this. There has to be a better right. way to keep standing up. Uh, in fact, the product that I built is actually the size is almost literally based off of the couch cushions on my couch. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, basically, you know, using my kind of creative background in marketing, I had studied art in college, so I was able to draw and things like that. So, so, um, I, I learned how to, um, basically find products online and start sourcing and, uh, hired a product designer and about July of 2020, uh, invested in this idea called Fort and started the company. That's awesome. That's awesome. So as you're kind of putting this together, what are you looking for to sort of like sort of prove viability. Like it's just, it's not just an idea like, Oh, this actually has some legs. Are you looking for something at this point? Or are you still more in the like, Hey, let me actually learn how to maybe sew one first or, you know, source something or work with a product design. Like, where are you at that point in your mind? Yeah. So, so I took the approach of, um, which, which you've definitely probably heard, uh, in business, usually in tech, I was really obviously, you know, kind of grew up during the Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, boom, you know, mm-hmm. was in col- uh, high school and college when all those started, you know, make, making billions, millions and mil- right. bi- billions of dollars. And so that, that minimum viable product idea, uh, the idea that you can make something really quickly, get it out into the world and then see what the market says. And right. so, I, I knew with my skills and creativity, I could hire a designer for, I don't know, $1,000, $500 or something. And you send them sketches and, and make something up, mock it up in, in 3D and CAD and, and, and put it out on Facebook ads and kind of see what happened. Mm. And so that, that's basically what I did is um, I, I kind of took that approach. And also I was really lucky because uh, I had kind of identified beforehand that there was a market for this kind of kids play furniture that I was entering mm. into. And so right. that was the um, that was kind of the market segment that was dominated by this uh, this this really cool D 2 C company called uh, Nugget Comfort, and Nugget mm-hmm. is based in North Carolina, mostly made in America. It's a really cool kids play couch, super popular online. And I had I had discovered all these Facebook groups that mostly mothers were in and just rabid for this product. And coronavirus mm-hmm. only heightened that. Sure. The Nugget is, is a is a really modular couch that kids that kind of basically kids took over and turned into like a play thing. And I thought, well, what if I don't start with the couch idea? What if I start with like a a block idea and work from that direction? So I I kind of created my own new version and thought that there was a real chance that this crowd could latch onto my product. So taking that MVP, minimum viable product uh, philosophy and uh, moving it over to my own product idea and learning how to find a similar product online and source it from that factory and have them build me a sample. 
you know, in about three or four months, I, th- I think even three months, I had a full brand developed and mm. a uh, product sample at my door. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then at that point, are you, so it sounds like even in that, that, that portion too, and I think this is important for other project creators, you're, you're, you are putting together a little bit of a buyer persona. I mean, as you're, as you're thinking about this, it's, I would, would I buy this, you know, um, is it kids? It's not just parents, but it's not parents with kids who are like maybe 10 years old, 12 years old. There's probably a certain number in there that you're thinking like it's this type of parent. Um, so how much is that impacting that sort of three month period of like, or, and do these Facebook groups help too? Cause you're probably looking at them going, well, this is, this is, these are the people, right? Just make the product for these people, yeah. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. It was, you know, uh, the, the, the key to our early growth was those Facebook groups. And I can't yeah. stress this enough. You, you do have to go look and find your customer, um, find someone, yeah. uh, learn who they are, learn what they want. Um, I went into those groups very quietly and and just watched basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was super valuable to see what they were talking about, see what interests them. And I did not sell my product in those groups. Um, I learned that every time I messaged somebody about it, they almost could not care less. Mm. It's this weird psychological thing, you know. They don't want to be promoted to in that way. Right, a right. Facebook ad actually is a completely different thing. They, they, there's a there's a wide acceptance of that, um, but um, those Facebook groups was was basically where the whole product was born and, and discovered and 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 actually ended up being all of our success. So so mm. I took what I learned from those Facebook groups, built it into my product. And then once I actually had the product and some photos after that, about three months, you know, kind of getting everything sorted and the sample to my front door, uh, once I had a photo and I was able to run a f- some small Facebook ads targeted towards that audience on Facebook mm. with ads yeah. and basically, um, almost overnight within the span of a few days, I mean, almost, uh, well, it, actually there was one night we, we got 1500 leads on our, on our, um, for our email <laughs> list, right? Yeah. Because yeah. We, reached that right audience, that audience found it, emailed me personally. It's like, Hey, what is this? We love this. This is waste. This is similar to some other stuff we have. And we were really into it. And they took that and they actually posted it ironically in the same (laughs) groups that I was inserting myself into. Um, and and, which is what I wanted in the first place. Right. Um, Right. That's what I dreamed of. And so all of that growth came from listening to the customer. Yeah, that, that's that's very cool. And, and, and now once you're getting that sample to you, what are you looking for in terms of of like, all right, this is where I can go this way with it. I can do this with it. It okay. All right, I need to adjust this. What what are you kind of just looking for in that first? I'm assuming prototype or first sample that comes in to say I'm, I'm going to move the product this way or that way or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was pretty easy. Um, you know, f- the first thing like was was the fabric what I wanted because m- for moms especially, you know, cleaning up and kids and 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 so you know I didn't mention it, but it's basically targeted at kids that are you know kind of between like three and you know seven eight you know a little yeah. bit on the younger end, um, but you know I wanted to make sure that kids young as three, in fact, my two and a half year old can pick up the biggest blocks. Um, I also wanted to make sure the fabric was like super durable. Dogs right. and cats could jump on it. You could spray ketchup on it, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, it's like, I'm selling a magnetic like block, right? Mm-hmm. So the magnets have to work. They right. have to work. Everyone online is like, how do the magnets work? I mean, magnets are basically magic to people. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we learn enough about science and, <laughs> right. and you know, right. uh, positive and negative charges yeah. and all that. But like, 
the magnets have to work. Um, right. and so the first thing I noticed was I was like, these are just a little bit underpowered. And, mm. and that, that was our biggest initial challenge is how do I get these magnets to work? And then how do I deal with the polarity of the magnets? Right. Sure. Because on most normal magnets, uh, North is on one side and South is on another on mm-hmm. some magnets, like in a magnetile, if you're familiar with kids products, mm-hmm. uh, the magnets are actually split down the middle. And I'm doing this, uh, on an audio, on an audio <laughs> platform, I'm splitting my hand down yeah. the middle and North and South are on the same, uh, the same side split down the right, middle, like, right. a, like a, a circle cut in half. And so, um, we had to explore all of those options to figure out how to make that work. Sure. Sure. And, I guess in your mind, are you also putting together, um, you know, different shapes and sizes to make a, you know, whatever a fort might look like, right? Are you like, okay, the, if the magnets are here, you can stack them this way and make a little house or something like, you know, yeah. are you kind of working through, I, I guess I'm imagining my kids were in preschool not that long ago of like what was just sitting around and it was just like a gazillion different shapes. But then I would imagine a bunch of different shapes might make it challenging on molds, prototypes, shipping, you know, like, so now are you going, all right, this is like, a, these, this is a perfect design that allows you to build 10 different things or whatever. Yeah, be. we had to find the right combo. I did change the pieces uh, more than once to find the right combo of like, these are the right amount of pieces and these create the most amount of possibilities while still being able to like make this thing without right. it being monstrous. You know, at one point I had in a full extra, like, you know, huge piece. And, and we just realized like, I'm so far over shipping sizes that I can't, <laughs> I just can't do that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that about right at that point um, when we were like exploring the, op- the options with a, what we would like finally call a single set was like, hmm how are we actually going to logistically deal with this product? Cause right. once you kind of have that design, the next step is obviously my, you know, as, as, as someone who now is obviously on crowdfunding is like, how can I deliver this to the customer? <laughs> right. um, and so that becomes the most important thing, especially with a product that is like monstrously huge compared mm-hmm. to most products. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned crowdfunding, where does the idea though of Kickstarter start to kind of play into prototyping samples, you know, audience research, where do you start to think I I'm going to go to crowdfunding for this? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And that was a, that was a huge struggle. Uh, crowdfunding was actually not my first choice. And, uh, in fact, Kickstarter was not my first crowdfunding platform choice. Um, so I really wanted to launch just on Shopify. I wanted to launch to like a 5,000 person email list. I wanted to sell, 200 units, you know, right. which, which I did the math. And basically that was like just enough to fill like half of a container, uh, from China. Um, or just maybe it was about one container. I can't remember, but, um, that meant that I was like, okay, I can get that product out into the world. That's nice and safe. Like we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, as we started to explode online and started to funnel these leads we were getting by the thousands into a private Facebook group, I started to get all this feedback, you know, really valuable information and data. And I, I realized that there was probably a pretty good chance that I could make a good splash on a crowdfunding platform. Um, yeah. I had been encouraged by friends to kind of explore that. And, and the thing that appealed to me was obviously you're going to get a little more press because people are automatically looking for new products on crowdfunding. I mean, that's, yep. that's ultimately the, the benefit to using something like Kickstarter, even over, you know, the other big platform, Indiegogo is Kickstarter mm-hmm. is almost three times as big, you know? Right. Um, yep. I initially started with Indiegogo. Um, in retrospect, I probably uh, would have rather 
gone with that for, for a lot of technical reasons we can get into if you want. Um, but uh, Kickstarter was the choice. I mean, it's the classic platform. We all yep. associate it with crowdfunding. Um, and I thought that I could probably educate the customer enough to get them to buy into a Kickstarter campaign. And I knew that it would give me some of the exposure I needed to make to basically grease the wheels, uh, you know, <laughs> sure. uh, not necessarily financially, but, um, uh, people reaching out to me, PR, uh, connecting with other entrepreneurs like this, you know, mm-hmm. um, all these things. And, and that ultimately did happen. So I, th- I think that's interesting. I would like to dive in a little bit between your mindset, between Kickstart and Indiegogo. One of the reasons is that sometimes when I see a product, uh, or when I, we've worked on products that have potentially an audience that's a little bit more female, we tend to look at Indiegogo just because of the data on Kickstarter. It's just, it's 40 year old white guys, basically 30 year old white guys, right? That's who's on Kickstarter. Um, now, did, so w- was that something that you were kind of thinking about as well as just looking and going, who is my audience? Where are they? Do they actually purchase on Kickstarter? Now, obviously you've had a ton of success. So that, you know what you made a good choice, but like, what were you thinking about at that point between the two platforms? Yeah. So that was a, uh, that was huge. Um, I think basically what I realized pretty early on was that my, cu- my customer almost has zero idea what crowdfunding was. And if they had heard of crowdfunding, they had at least heard of Kickstarter. Right. Um, so, uh, the unique thing about my raise, which I, I don't think I'm the first person in history to do this, but I think I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I'm convinced that almost 80% of my customers that I bought brought on my first day when I raised 2.2 million in like 12 hours, um, had never had a Kickstarter account. Um, and, and, and that was because of the education that we did with this customer. Um, and you know, they, they say to make the purchasing process as easy as possible when you're dealing with a, a specifically a lot of moms with not a lot of time on their hands and a lot of kids and and are stressed you know getting them to understand a crowdfunding platform and all of its That's complexities hard. and type into bonus support and i mean <laughs> yeah. it, it, that is a nightmare yeah. um, but we pulled it off into the millions yeah. of dollars um yeah. which is unbelievable but um you know Kickstarter's 40 year old. I mean, you're, you said it right. Uh, you know, games, uh, yeah. it doesn't even do tech hardly anymore, you know, honestly. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. And, yep. and, and so, um, you know, I, and I had, I, uh, had consistently a better experience with, um, Indiegogo support. Um, mm-hmm. they were very responsive. They, uh, seem much more creator focused. Um, yeah. You know, I have had a good person uh, to reach out to at Kickstarter at this point, and and I appreciate that. But um, you know, I really think that even though it's a smaller platform, it is uh, Indiegogo tends to be uh, a little bit more creator focused. From the technical side, um, you can use a Facebook pixel, which is yeah. invaluable. Um, your, <laughs> yeah. your agency yeah. work, it's invaluable yeah. as far as targeting ads. Yeah. Uh, it also has a secret perk feature, which mm-hmm. would have basically completely changed our lives. Um, because we offered a special um, pricing um, to our earliest uh, email subscribers um, that would yep. have made logistical complexities very easy. And, yep. um, you know, there's the ability to, yeah, the secret perk, you can hide that, you can create a new one later mm-hmm. on. Um, so there's all sorts of upselling and side selling and all these things that you can do, which you cannot do on Kickstarter. They've yep. limited the platform. I've also found that the the basic reporting that Kickstarter allows you to have is very, very dodgy at best. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not recording all of the things. <laughs> nope. and, um, it's a, it seems a little dated for the most part. Yeah. I think that, I think that the tech is actually, I think the code is, is pretty old. So, um, yeah. Sorry, Kickstarter. I mean, you know, I mean, well, it, it's funny, Zalus, because you're preaching to the choir here. These are the things that we just bash our heads in the table and then 
wonder what is going on at, as that company? Is there, why are they not making these improvements? Why are they not doing some of these things, the bare minimums of Facebook pixel? Like if you think you're launching a campaign without any Facebook ad, like you're just in what, what do you, I mean, off topic for a moment, but yeah, sure. what do you think that is? I, Cause we can't comprehend it on our end. Like, yeah. and I know Perry Chen, we met Perry Chen back in like 2009 and like, yeah. You know, why are we not pushing it forward just a little bit? You know, I I think I think I mean I think there's a few things um, from from my perspective. Um, I I I don't think Kickstarter. There seems to be a almost a culture of not wanting the big campaigns for some reason, um, right. which is unusual because those are the ones that make the most money, right? Their Kickstarter is yeah. going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars from me, um, right. and I made that money for them, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think they really, there must be some sort of missional or someone who's really against that kind of thing. Um, And, and I do think that what they do well is they really support small creators, like, you know, very small campaigns, very social justice focused. And I think those things are great. In fact, I've even talked to a a fellow creator who is, who is, um, uh, you know, in a more cultural, um, like, uh, 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 kind of like market. And, and I mm-hmm. think Kickstarter is a great fit for that. Right. I yeah. think they'll get a ton of support, even if they're only trying to raise like $6,000. Right. Um, so I think maybe there's something of that. Um, other than that, I, I'm, I'm just as oh, baffled yeah. as you are because yeah. um, the support for, you know, I, I do think the commercialization of Kickstarter is kind of good and bad, right? You know, you, mm-hmm. you've got amazing companies, which are like peak designs, which I think is, yeah. is something I can only aspire to be something that's, you know, uh, really ethically focused, really um, uh, environmentally focused. Not only that, but like they just create amazing products, right? Yeah. There's something that yeah. I want to do. Um, yep. And uh, those companies should launch on Kickstarter. I think, I think right. they do it partially because it's in their DNA. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's almost like they're pushing back against the, the large creators. And I'm not honestly not a large creator. I'm literally a guy <laughs> in St. Louis, Missouri in my attic, you know, um, you know, with right. two kids and a wife and, you know, yeah. uh, so it, it is, it is baffling at times. Yeah. I hear you. It's, it's, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. And we've been, and that's the thing that I tell some people, I'm like, I think I had like the 20th Kickstarter ever. It's like, it's the same process I did then as I would do today. Like nothing is like literally the back end is the same where I'm uploading it, how I'm putting a video in. I'm like, nothing really has changed. Yeah. There's a few things here and there, but like, it's the same process. And it's crazy crazy. to me that it's been a decade, you know, of the same, the same stuff. So whatever, whatever. Well, let's move back to you. So, um, so obviously, you know, pre-launch is going really, really well. Um, you're pushed into, Hey, you should do crowdfunding. Um, you've chosen the platform that you're going to go on now. What are you looking for in terms of making sure this education process you're talking about, plus the content on the page, what are you aspiring to get to, to say, all right, when people get here, they're going to get it instantly. You know, like, what are you trying to get to content wise? Yeah. So, um, we did, um, we used a great service called kickoff labs to, to generate landing pages and, um, they have a viral growth thing. They create little links for you and each customer gets a link to share and potential to win free product. Um, and so we kind of had this sharing campaign that was really powerful. And so that helped generate that email list. And then we tried to funnel that email list into a private Facebook group where people could ask questions about the product, where they could, um, explore, uh, talk to me, the creator, right? And that group, you know, is is almost at 14,000 people now. So, you know, um, our email list uh, at launch time was around 80,000. 
And so basically what we did was, you know, we used uh, online applications like Loom, um, which is a mm-hmm. screen recorder with a, and it has a nice little bu- uh, bubble where the person could talk. And so I would literally back Kickstarter campaigns. You can find these <laughs> online. Um, I got a great little coffee maker. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, which actually was delivered very quickly, which gave me like, I was like, that's the best karma, best sign I've (laughs) ever seen um, for my own product. And so I would literally create screenshots. I would do uh, really comprehensive emails where more than once, you know, this is how you add an add-on. This is how you back the whole campaign from start to finish on mobile and desktop. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's no real template for what I did. I literally would screenshot each thing. I would draw little arrows to the (laughs) buttons to press. Um, It was lo-fi, you know, but um, it ended up working. Um, And not only that, but we just strove the whole time uh, to have like amazing customer service, to be really, really responsive to the customer, yeah. to really hear them and be empathetic. Um, and I ended up hiring my best friend um, and he had worked at Apple for years. And so, you know, they have legendary customer service mm-hmm. training there. And so he basically brought in the processes he he learned, you know, they say like a firm. So there's like a, there's three A's that they say yep. and it's a really great process. And so basically taught me that. And he basically took over kind of this process of hearing the customer and guiding them through almost right. emotionally back into yeah. Kickstarter more yep. so than just like the technical part. Yeah. So, so something you just, you're hinting on right here, and this is something we stress to all of our clients. And it's probably one of our biggest friction points is you were accessible through this pre-launch, this whole process, you were the one guiding these people so that people felt safe. Like, oh, my money's going to this guy. He's The reason he yes. made this is it's a product that his kids would use, right? So yes. a lot of times we'll get clients who are like, well, I hired you and I don't want to be on Facebook and I don't want to be in this Facebook group. I don't want to talk to these people. And you're like, it's not going to work, man. It's like work. I'm the marketing guy. Nobody wants to talk to me. Yeah. You know, I'm the salesy, sleazy guy. Yeah. You've got to talk to the person who created it. So it sounds like, you know, and I was this something that you were conscious of, or is this just your personality? Like, Hey, I'm comfortable doing this. Cause this is what we also find is like, if you're not that person, like you can't be the front man of the band, you got to find a way to do it, or you got to find yeah. somebody that's going to be it. So like, is that something you were consciously thinking about? Or you just, I just stepped into the role and just did it. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a background in a lot of film production. Um, mm. and so I had spent years interviewing people on camera. Um, and it just was, it made a lot of sense for me to be in front of the customer. Um, I was never like a trained actor, but doing commercial yeah. work, um, like, uh, you know, for, for large companies. So, uh, constantly interviewing executives or, or people at companies to help their marketing. And so I just knew that you have to connect on that human level, like you said, yeah. and it is baffling to me that, that, creators don't put them in so, themselves in front of their campaign, even if they're bad, there's still the mind behind that mm. or find someone adjacent that can help. Yeah. And, and so um, I, I also should say like that background in marketing taught me strategically, like I, I knew what I, I knew that giving the persona of Connor, you know, the dad and who lost his job during coronavirus mm-hmm. and all of those things, um, which is all true, gave right helped the customer understand me, helped the customer know what they were supporting. And we had a lot of friction, you know, even with the moms, even when I was making videos every day, right, to post in this Facebook group, people would still be like, this is going to be a scam, right? You're going to steal my money. <laughs> right. You're, you're going to yeah. coolest cooler me. They didn't even yeah. know what coolest cooler was, right? But right. Um, 
you know, basically you're going to coolest cooler me. You're going to steal mm-hmm. my, which like that guy didn't steal any money. He went broke. He was <laughs> yeah, a bad yeah. businessman. Let's yeah, be clear. Yeah. 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 For sourcing all those parts should have been step one in the research process. Yeah. He, he was, he was just a bad <laughs> businessman. He didn't steal. Yeah. I mean, there are people out there who steal people's money. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I had to do a lot of work to be like, I'm, this is not a scam. Kickstarter is a, is a valid platform. Uh, yes. If we fully fund, you're going to get your product. You know, I I've, I've done all the research. I've built the factory infrastructure, you know, I've researched shipping. This is why, you know, um, and, and, and it's so interesting. You're dealing with the customer psychology constantly. Um, yeah. but that, I mean, that was really, that was really powerful thing. And I'm, I'm so glad we did that. And, and I'm so glad that I've stayed out in front of it the whole time while yeah. still building the brand and building Connor as the founder. Sure. Sure. No, it makes sense. So, you know, with, with, with 12 days to go in the campaign, um, and you guys literally just crushing it, you know, with the almost 2.9 million, uh, a ton of backers. What has been the thing that has stood out the most though in the campaign behind the scenes where you're like, I just did not expect, you know, this country to actually be a big supporter. Or, or has there been anything that's just been like, just didn't expect that at all? Um, most of the things that, that have happened have been um, the, the challenges that I didn't expect. Um, mm. So I, uh, on the good side, I didn't, uh, I don't think I had any, idea how much how many connections i would build because of kickstarter um and and i think part of that is one being one of the biggest you know uh raises currently live right you know that helps if you google who's the highest (laughs) right it's basically mine um but but you know uh we've made more factory connections more uh quote-unquote like business political collect connections than, than I would have dreamed. In fact, I think ultimately that's going to be what I took out as a value. Mm. I'm not yeah. walking away rich from this Kickstarter because we had did heavy discounts, right? right. Um, you know, it's kind of part of the game. And so, but I'm going to be rich in network, right? right. Um, which, which I don't think I realized how rich that would be. Um, and, and that has been the biggest benefit to me is that I've, I've made, uh, things that will change my product and career completely. Um, mm-hmm. On on the challenging side that I didn't expect, you know, uh, I don't think I expected how big we would be at the beginning because of our customer, mm-hmm. and, and how I was counting on the the three fourths of the campaign to have a bigger impact on our bottom line. Sure. Um, you know, I, I really thought that Kickstarter would bring in more organic than it has. You know, we're only at about 14% pledged via Kickstarter. Mm. Um, I thought that would be closer to 30. Uh, that was yeah. really factored, factored heavily into my plan to be really profitable. We're still yep. profitable, um, but just barely. And uh, that has been really challenging. And the other part was, I, I don't think I expected how hard it would be to market during a Kickstarter. I, I see why yeah. people use agencies and we don't quite have the the bottom line, like I was saying, to to really go with full, you know, agency support with that huge percentage right. being taken and everything. Um, and so it's been really challenging to build the campaign. And we have been building slowly. You know, we're doing yeah. twenty to forty thousand dollars a day, which you know, if I was right. doing that for three hundred and sixty five days, <laughs> I'd be running a <laughs> $10 million company, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there's good and bad there. Um, and I'm still selling product. It's not like I've, it's not like I failed. Um, so those are, those are kind of the reflections that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's gotta be interesting. And what has anything changed when you have a campaign that goes to this size, right? So a lot of times when I'm coaching clients and we're like, listen, we do 250 and you have 600 backers, that still is like, 
we got to get 600 products out the door, right? So how, and I'm assuming, maybe I'm wrong, that you've had to make adjustments in the middle of this campaign when, when it took off, right? To say like, holy shit, I got to deliver 9,000 units, right? Like I was going <laughs> to, my, my well, you mentioned 200 was like a goal in your mind at some point, right? Like, hey, yeah. 200 units out of the door would be amazing. So what has had to change in the middle of this that you're reacting to now because of the volume, just volume yeah. alone? Yeah. yeah, I um, when when our email list started to grow, I knew that I would have to shift shift my expectations. I mm-hmm. I ultimately did not want to do a million dollar plus raise. That was not my goal. I knew that there was a lot of stress and a lot of shipping fear related yeah. to that. And I get that historically. I'm a fan of Kickstarter. I have been since 2000. I don't know. I think maybe 10. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, like I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a techie nerd back in college, right? And it, it yep. popped up on my radar, and so I knew that. Um, and so, you know, I what what I did was I kind of readjusted everything that I, you know, I started working way harder on how is this production process going to go and all those things. And so, um, you know, as far as pivoting during Kickstarter, um, you know, we've we've extended some of the shipping times on later backers. You know, mm-hmm. totally right. easy thing to do, right? Very, very normal. Um, and and we've really, really leveraged that network that we built. You know, within within a week, I was connecting with people who who literally, you know, are greasing the wheels of our production process um, yeah. that I, that I wouldn't have been able to done. You know, I'm learning things that making sure. Um, and for I was obsessed with shipping from the beginning. I charged <laughs> fifty dollars per product, knowing that that was a lot, knowing that there would be customer pushback, but knowing yep. that like I have to make sure that. That I mean, for the most part, we're going to lose money on shipping still, but I have to make yeah. sure that I cover that as much as possible because I know I'd rather have that customer mad that they paid $50 shipping, but still get their product. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so that has been my obsession. Um, and so I, you know, um, it's, it's been, it's been super challenging to do, to adjust to this almost $3 million raise. And uh, what we're doing now is, 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 uh, just getting ready to do the hard work of, of making that product as fast as possible. And, um, and luckily we had basically a finished prototype, um, you know, when we, before we launched, we had a factory that was lined up to make that. And all we've done now is we've actually switched a few factories, um, because there are factories that we found that were better fits ultimately, mm. which, which ended up being really great. Um, yeah. you know, cheaper, uh, we, we've switched some stuff to made in America. We're, we're hopefully going to be completely made in America by the end of the year. Um, and that's been a really, really powerful thing. And all I have to do is just make sure everything keeps moving forward. Yeah. What now, and, and this campaign, correct me if I'm wrong, it's us only, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, was there at all any interest in like, Hey, we're, let's try to get United Kingdom in here in Canada. And, you know, was there any flirting with that at all? And then I'm assuming you looked at some shipping numbers and we're like, <laughs> that's, that's basically it. Uh, we had a ton of interest in Canada. We still do uh, UK and Australia were the other three. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was just shipping numbers. I couldn't figure out how to, to import into those countries. And I knew that I couldn't ship it from America, from our right. third party logistics company. I mean, we're talking hundreds or thousands of dollars to ship. Um, and so that, uh, Canada, I want to go to next. It's yeah. the closest neighbor. Um, I would like to ship domestically inside of Canada. I would like to import straight into Canada. Um, but you know, we're starting to do production in the U S now. Uh, so there's a, there's, um, there's a chance that, that we could be shipping from the U S but it will be cheaper because we're actually producing in the U S now. Um, so yeah, that is, I mean, that, that 
I, I had been told many times, you know, go international. It's going to be huge, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I'm getting emails every day from out of the country. And um, I just, I'm, I'm really risk averse when it comes to that. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to focus on. I'm going to focus on making a great product for America and start there. Yeah. And, and you could literally, by having some random country, you know, uh, country, you know, in Singapore, or whatever, just some yeah. random island purchase. And all of a sudden you're spending all your time just totally. trying to get it there. That's it. Just trying to get it yes. there. You and know? probably losing money on it. Honestly. And losing money on it. Yeah. yeah. So no, we, we uh, I've killed two or three companies early in my days with just shipping alone, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause we didn't do the homework right. But long yeah. time ago now, long time ago. Um, so, so I guess for the, co- I mean, just for you guys in general, I mean, campaign ends, money all drops. Um, you start ma- you know, getting these products, people, but what does like this next year look like? Do you start making version 2.0s? Do you make add-ons? What, what just starts happening in your world? Or do you just expand and say, we're going to, actually make these to other countries, you know, or yeah. you know, just that, what, what does it kind of look like in your mind? Yeah. So the first steps for us are, um, obviously, yeah, once that money drops, we're going to kind of make our final production samples. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we've made a few adjustments along the way, mostly to make shipping and importing and all these things easier. Um, and we're hoping we, we may, there may even be a chance that the whole product is made in the USA, uh, if we can get uh, the samples made uh, quickly enough in the U.S., um, we've got about four or five months to get it shipped to the customer for our first batch, which you know is 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 a pretty decent lead time yeah. for something this simple. Um, you know, it's not a tech product. There's not. Um, there's only three parts to it: foam, fabric, magnets. You know, thread. there's no, there's no um, Bluetooth. The kids can't yeah, sing Bluetooth yeah, to their leapfrog. What? Oh yeah, no kidding. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. So, I mean, like that, that makes it easier, but you know, international supply chains are, are horrible, uh, mm-hmm. prices on raw materials are crazy because of COVID. Yeah. And so there's all those challenges, but yeah, the first thing to do is get those production samples made, uh, see if our Chinese factory or American factory can, can, can do it first and faster basically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we're going to, what we're planning on doing is, is kind of spending March about when our money drops, March, April, May, getting all that, uh, getting all the fabric, getting everything lined up, foam cut, and, and make sure by May we're sewing and getting the product made completely. And around May, I think we're going to launch on Shopify a pre-order. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, l- less like crowdfunding, more like, hey, we're already, we've gotten it all figured out, all the supply chain pipelines. We're going to ship this product in September. And so uh, doing a pre-order in May, opening that up, maybe even just keeping it open and um, starting to build up inventory while we uh, basically produce the product for the rest of the year. We are fortunate enough that we're doing enough volume that we can take over a portion of a factory and that factory can start creating that product just consistently for us. Um, which is which is really the key, you know. When you're a smaller company, that's a lot harder. You know, they're going to shut down for a week just to make your product. Right. But but you know, we're bringing in a lot of money, potentially millions, to these factories. So they're going to be they're going to be and it's going to be in their best interest to be making a few hundred of these a day, right? Sure. And so um, our goal is that by you know hopefully the the the, the holiday rush, you know, late October, um, we would be caught up on inventory and up and running for holidays. Uh, but yeah, the, the goal is to kind of drop new colors and, and things like that consistently mm-hmm. to keep the hype up, but we're, right. we're 
we're fully focused on moving to Shopify after Kickstarter. Yeah, that's cool. And and then how about just for like you and your just personal life, like your life, I'm assuming has uh, adjusted and are pivoting as well uh, in this time. I mean, are you now like a major uh, kid toy designer <laughs> moving forward? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, that's what your life is now or, yeah. you know, or is this like, Hey, I did, a, I did this cool project and um, that's it. I mean, what is, what are you just kind of, what are you guys just thinking yeah. about? Yeah. Right yeah, that's a that's a that's a fun question because you know I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I loved the online sales and things, and um, I love the strategy. You know, as I've explored this and kind of gotten to dream um, and and you know made some money. You know, uh, I mean, it basically you know I'm just excited about having a company that that has potential to be successful. I think we can do ten million dollars in revenue this year without much work. Um, I think I could build a, a $50 million top line revenue, uh, kids t- company. I, I really do. I think that's, I think that's well within the the bounds of what, what this company can do. Um, you know, what I'd ultimately love to do is, is build this up, probably exit it at some point and, and, and get to do, get to help other people do this. Right. I, I don't want to go into agency work necessarily, but you know, something like investing and, um, or, uh, buying companies, there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies out there that kind of hold a, uh, e-com and D2C companies and and kind of uh, facilitate over them and watch them grow. And that's kind of something I'm really interested in. Even if this kind of just becomes a consistent company, uh, it will hopefully give me the money to be able to invest in other companies and kind of um, help build them and build a portfolio of assets. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm really excited about that because I don't think I want to make forts forever. <laughs> uh, but I do... I do I do see the value in doing this and it, it has been really fun to, to hustle yeah. and make it happen. Um, and so that is kind of, kind of what I'm looking forward to. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, let's flip over. Let's do a quick lightning round. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about forts or Kickstarters. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. So, uh, I've got all watching? sorts of stuff to say. So right, cool. yeah. yeah it's all good. Well, uh, so what are you watching uh, in the uh, streaming new Hulu? Netflix? All right, let's... What are you watching right now? Yeah, let me pull up uh, my latest. Um, so I'm a big anime fan. Uh, just recently, I've been watching... Um, I just finished Demon Slayer for the second time. If you haven't seen that and you like anime, it's the best. Yeah, um, okay. I'm watching Seven Deadly Sins, which is a kind of an older anime from a few years ago. And I'm always on Crunchyroll catching up on the latest stuff. So I spend most of my time being a nerd on... Uh, <laughs> on anime and i know i'm a 32 year old man and and i i'm totally okay with that um so, you know you like, like my favorite, but yeah my favorite show is naruto i've got a uh, one of the or like japanese comics on my desk um wow and so uh that's basically what i'm watching at all times okay all right how about um uh how about is there a movie though that you've watched recently that maybe isn't it, it, it like a movie no <laughs> I, I, I haven't watch watched anything. I've also yeah. got young kids, so I'm either yeah. like uh, like watching anime while I'm exercising, or I'm I'm yeah. working. So. Okay, <laughs> or right. with my family. Uh, yeah. How about uh, well, probably the same answer. Maybe or is there a book you're reading right now? I do read a lot, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm reading uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson, uh, like '80s sci-fi. Okay. Um, and I'm also working through like a few um, business books. Uh, I just recently read Zero to One, Peter Thiel's book, mm. and yeah, um, I'm really enjoying uh, these uh, books by Greg Crabtree. Uh, I'm trying to learn about finance and uh, and accounting and, and business, and they're called uh, the first one's called Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, which is not a it's kind of a dumb name, but it's actually pretty good, solid mm. finance advice. And then Simple Numbers 2.0. 
And they're both uh, just about, you know, um, if you're a small business, it's, it's really great, uh, just kind of basic primer um, that, that I've really enjoyed. So I've actually read quite a few business books this year, just trying to keep up on things. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. How about uh, podcasts? Are you a podcast listener? Oh, yeah, constant. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if it's not anime or reading, it's a podcast. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I love, um, I've been really digging um, a bunch of e-com podcasts. Um, I love Kurt Elster's um, podcast, uh, Unofficial Shopify, e-commerce influence, e-commerce fuel. As you can see, I'm into e-commerce stuff. Um, <laughs> the the podcast from the guys at The Hustle, My First Million, yeah, is really fun. Um, I just discovered that and I've been loving it. And e-commerce yeah. playbook is another one. And then, of course, like the big dogs, Tim Ferriss, you know. Yeah. Do you, get, uh, do you yeah. uh, get the Hustle uh, newsletter? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so good. Yeah, yeah and I read morning. I read uh, the uh, the hustle and morning brew almost every morning. Yeah, um, yeah. And I love both of those. So yeah, it's totally cool. Yeah, I think I was listening. What was I listening to the other day that just described of of like uh, the business model of like the hustle is a great business model because you're in complete control. You're not dependent on a Facebook changing something or changing an algorithm. Like you make this content and you send it directly to the people and 98% of them get it 99%, you know, whatever it is. But like, that is a good business model. You're not, there's no middleman in that, you know, Dude, so, tell, yeah. tell me, that's why I'm so, I'm so like bullish on like email list and like yep. SMS. I'm like, yep. own those channels, you know, I'm yeah. obsessed about that. So abs- yeah, we, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. We've been, um, I do a lot in the equity crowdfunding. So it's driving investors oh, yeah. into platforms like WeFund or Start Engine. That, that's what we do mostly instead of Kickstarters anymore. But uh, we've noticed over there that just Facebook ads into a page just doesn't do anything anymore. So it's still about now you got to get email addresses. You've got to drive them into Discord channels. You got to get in Reddit, subreddits, right? Oh, Reddit, interesting. Subreddits in there yeah. and really get conversations going you know, and own that, you know, get that email address, tons of emails, just warming people up. Cause if you're just running ads into it, it ain't going to work. Yeah. So my last one is, um, how about like, I mean, we can mention a little bit, but like, are there any other like blogs or channels you go to though, just to stay on top of stuff or medium articles or anything that you go to consistently? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I, I get most of my, you know, honestly, I am all over Twitter these days. Um, mm. I think, th- I think that's the, if you are an entrepreneur, if you want to learn how to build an e-commerce or D2C business, which I don't really think of myself as like a crowdfunding guy. I don't think long-term crowdfunding is going to be my final like yeah. thing. I think what I really want to do is build that e-commerce or direct to consumer business. You know, honestly, Twitter has been invaluable. You know, if you just mm. start kind of digging into um, like find an e-commerce podcast, uh, find the guy who hosts that, find his Twitter and then follow all the people he follows. You're going to learn really quickly about a lot of incredible people building, you know, multi-million dollar businesses just online, you know? Um, And I've found that incredibly valuable. It's how I've connected with a lot of people. Um, I've also gotten the the chance to kind of like um, jump into some, some um, exclusive communities for like e-commerce people, which has been really valuable. Um, And, uh, and those only had, that only happened because I was on Twitter and I was sharing my story Mm. and that is, I, that's really what I would recommend is, is go on Twitter, share your story, find people who are doing similar things and, and ask them questions or, um, you know, it, it did, it happened just because I was kind of making it happen. And, mm-hmm. 
there was no magic. I just, you know, I started tweeting about how I raised $2 million and, and the right people found it and I made yeah. some amazing connections. So, you know, and that's how I find all the blog articles and all the medium articles and everything. Right, I, I'm, not, right. I'm not ever on one, like one subreddit yeah. or one uh, thing. It's always all yeah. over the place. All right. Well, awesome. Well, Connor, I appreciate uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know it's got to be busy. You probably got 400 emails while we were on the call. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but I do appreciate it, man. This is an amazing campaign and uh, man, nothing but I, I wish tons of luck in the future here, man. And uh, hopefully you keep awesome. us growing over these next 12 days. But uh, this is a great conversation, man. I, I, yeah. I truly appreciate it. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. This has been wonderful. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. All right. How about that conversation? I told you guys, amazing, amazing stuff. I'm so glad you guys have stayed tuned to the end here because I know now that you've at least got some valuable information in your noggin. All right. Like I told you guys before, we're going to hear a very special song called TNT by ACDC. It's from the, what we did this under the cover session for the sugar people. This was towards the end of our stint a decade ago. Um, and like I said before, nobody knew the song we were going to do. We just got into a studio and we just put on instruments. We rehearsed for like an hour and then we recorded it. And that's what you're going to hear now. So I hope you guys enjoy. I uh, can't wait to talk to you again on another episode. Till then, stay cool and keep that money flowing.
you know the dynamite's lit This is rock and roll, a little hip-hop mix Kid Vicious and Sugar People Band, we wanna see your hand I'ma let everybody know IMTNT, get low, I'm about to blow <laughs> Relax, it's just music You can call it hip-rock, hip-rock, so join the movement